0: I am so glad that you're here tonight and that you're joining with us and um, you know today I had a wonderful lunch with a dear friend of mine one of the men from the church and we went for Thai food and he ordered hot and I thought well I can do medium so when she asked me I said medium and tonight I can still feel the burn in my stomach now, he's eating hot, and he's just cool as a cucumber, and I'm pouring sweat, I'm embarrassed, my nose is running, I'm dabbing my nose the whole time, and, um, but during the meal, he said, you know, all you got to do is eat some butter or drink some milk, and it'll take the heat away. I can tell you, that remedy doesn't work. <laughs> I'm still on fire tonight. But I want to talk to you about a remedy that does work this evening, and that's the healing touch of Jesus Christ. Let's go to Mark chapter 5 and verse 21 this evening. Now remember last week we looked at how that Jesus had uh, cured the man, cast the demons out of the man that had been demonized. It was legion. It was a It was a wonderful story and an awful story when you think about the whole context. I hope you'll listen to that message as well. But tonight, Jesus has gotten back into the boat. He's going back across the Sea of Galilee. He's going to Capernaum, and we'll start at verse 21. Jesus got into the boat again, went back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived, and when he saw Jesus... He fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him. My little daughter is dying, he said. Please come lay your hands on her and heal her so she can live. Well, Jesus went with him, and all the people followed, crowding around him. And a woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay them, but she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe, for she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately, the bleeding stopped, and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. And Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone from him, whether that was a, a momentarily physical weakness or a sensation. I have a feeling it was just like, maybe like a a drain. You know, if you've ever uh, put a heavy load on a generator or something like that, the, the drain that happens. That's kind of how I imagine this, that Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around into the crowd and he asked, who touched my robe? And his disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you say who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. And then the frightened woman. "'Trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, "'came and fell to her knees in front of him "'and told her what she had done. "'And he said to her, isn't this beautiful, "'Daughter, your faith has made you well. "'Go in peace,' or shalom. "'Your suffering is over.' Well, you can imagine how Jarius is feeling. Seconds are passing by. Minutes are passing by. His little girl is dying. There's nothing like daddy's little girl. And if you have a daughter, you know what I'm talking about. There is nothing like daddy's little girl. So Jarius is standing there. And while he's still speaking to her, messengers arrive from the home of Jarius and the leader of the synagogue, and they told him, your daughter is dead. And I know what's going through his mind. Why did Jesus have to stop and minister to this unclean woman? My daughter has died. There's no use troubling the teacher now. But Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just have faith. And Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, And when they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw much commotion and weeping and wailing. These are professional wailers that were hired to mourn at a funeral. No self-respecting family would not have had these professional mourners to be there. So he saw the the commotion, the weeping, the wailing. He went inside and he asked, why all this commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead. She's only asleep. Well, the crowd laughed at him. The, mourners are prob- the, the professional mourners are probably mocking him because now they're not going to get paid, you know, because Jesus is pushing them out. He made them all leave. Now, here's what I want you to get. In the Greek, this is forceful. It's not quite as forceful as him driving the money changers out with a whip. But Jesus is literally kicking them out. Can you imagine Jesus kicking somebody out of your house tonight? Or he's kicking them out. He made them all leave. He took the girl's father and mother and his three disciples into the room where the girl was lying, and holding her hand, he said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, get up. Now, this is Aramaic. That's reason it's recorded for us like that. And the girl who was 12 years old immediately stood up and walked around. They were overwhelmed and totally amazed, and Jesus gave them strict orders not to tell anyone what had happened and then he told her, to, told them to give her something to eat. I prayed with a father today. He called me this afternoon and asked me to pray with him for his 12-year-old daughter. And I could feel the love of this dad for his daughter and, and what we were praying about for this beautiful, and she is, she is just as cute as a button, 12-year-old little girl and so if, to me it just brought back home all that must have been going on in Jairus' mind. But what you're looking at because providentially in the way that God is giving us this story and in the way it happened, you have got this woman who is unclean according to Jewish law with the issue of blood. It's probably some sort of uterine bleeding that is constant and it's made her ritually unclean. She's, if she was married, she's divorced now. She's not allowed to attend church or to attend synagogue. She's debarred from worship. She's an outcast from society. She can't work because anything she touches is unclean. And so she's probably homeless. She's pro- she spent everything she's had. So this is, a, this is woman, is she is a total outcast. She is looked at, and this is what you have to, 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 to remember, she is looked at as a transmitter of uncleanliness. Now, Much more extreme. Do you remember in the early days of COVID, you'd be in the Kroger and you're buying groceries and somebody would sneeze and (gasps) you'd jump back, you know, or somebody would cough. And I can remember hearing people cough or sneeze when I would pick up milk or eggs for Becky. And they'd say, oh, I don't have COVID. I just have a cold, you know, because we were all afraid of catching that disease. And rightfully so, because there was, I was preaching funeral after funeral during that time. But for this woman, it would have been far, far worse than what we were experiencing at COVID. But then you've got to contrast that. Remember, I said these two stories are put together. You've got to contrast that with this. Jarius Jarius is a prominent member of society. His family is well-respected. When the Bible says there was a crowd gathered at the lake, the crowd was probably parting the way so that Jairus could come to Jesus. They recognized his leadership. He was the man that was in charge of the local synagogue. He was the man that led the synagogue school. He was the man that saw that their children were taught. He was well-to-do. And so what you have is you have this outcast of a woman, you have this beloved daughter of a prominent member of society, and providentially, God puts those stories together. But there's something else that happens here that I need you to see. In chapter, if you look at your notes, in chapter 5, verse 22, you might want to look at where it says, He fell at the feet of Jesus. And you might want to, if you're watching online, you've got your Bible app, or you've got your Bible, you might want to circle that. And by the way, all these notes are online at, at our website. You can get it through our app or at our website, either one, and follow along. But Jarius fell at the feet of Jesus. Jesus has already had two experiences in Capernaum at the synagogue, and things, quote, didn't go so well. Okay? Remember Remember, he healed a man with a deformed hand on the Sabbath, and all the Pharisees got angry about that because they didn't want him to heal somebody on the Sabbath day. And remember, he set free a demoniac in the synagogue, and that caused a lot of uproar and stir. And so Jesus' experience at the synagogue hasn't actually been welcomed and we've already looked how the Pharisees and the scribes were following him around. I took great pains a couple of times to show you. They're looking to catch Jesus doing something wrong. So when you see Jarius, when you see this little phrase, he fell at the feet of Jesus, that's a huge statement. That should stand out in boxcar sized letters to you and I. Because what we're seeing is this prominent leader of the synagogue that has probably had his mind prejudiced against Jesus by other religious leaders, and yet he's heard of the miracles, his daughter is sick, it's not love for Jesus, it's a need for Jesus that brings Jairus, and he falls at the feet of Jesus, and he asks Jesus to come and to heal him. There's one other thing that I want you to see here, in the community, Jesus is not the leader, Jarius is the leader now that kind of smacks us because we know he 's the Lord of all. we know all things were created by him for him, and he sustains all things according to scripture. We know that he was God in the flesh, the incarnation that we celebrate at christmas time we know he 's the resurrected Lord, but easter hasn 't happened yet, okay, and so he 's beginning his ministry and so People are not looking at Jesus as the leader in the community. He's a miracle worker. He's a teacher. But the leader in that community is Jarius. And so what I want you to see is sometimes, look at me. Don't miss this. Look right here. Sometimes people come to Jesus with very imperfect faith. That doesn't matter. What matters is that you come to Jesus. Because when you come to Jesus... Jesus will begin to deal and teach with all the issues. That's the reason I love that song that was always sang at the Billy Graham Crusades. Just as I am without one plea, O Lamb of God, I come to thee. Can you say amen to that? Isn't that exciting? Well, the first thing I want you to see is Jesus always responds to faith in order to build my faith. When Jesus responds to my faith, what he wants to do is to build my faith. In Mark 5 in verse 30, where Jesus, for power had flown out of him, let's look at that again. Jesus realized at once that healing power had grown out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and he asked, Who touched my robe? Now this woman will never forget this moment. She's in heaven tonight. And I can tell you in heaven tonight, she still remembers what it felt like when the healing flow of Jesus Christ flowed into her body, and suddenly that uncleanliness was gone. Jesus took her uncleanliness, and in its place, His healing power flowed into her life. It just coursed throughout her veins. Time literally stops and yet, here's this father. I mean, these stories are together. There's a reason they're kept together for us. Time stops for Jarius because his daughter's dying. And yet, Jesus is responding to not only Jarius's faith, now he's responding to the very imperfect faith of this woman. Second point is my faith doesn't have to be perfect. My faith doesn't have to be perfect. This woman. She's got kind of a superstitious faith, if I can use that word. And that that may jar us a little bit because too often we gloss over these points in Sunday school lessons or Bible studies. We talk about her faith and how her faith made her well. we got to go back and look at the whole story for just a moment. She thought, if I can just touch the hem of his garment. And I thought the Chosen did a great, great, uh, illustrated this in a great way when they just showed this in season three maybe she touched the tassels of his robe that Jewish men were required to wear because she thought there would be power in his robe. She thought there would be power in the tassels. Becky and I on our travels, we visited all kinds of churches that have relics that are supposed to have miracle power. The relic has come from a sliver of wood that's on the cross, or the relic is the finger of a saint. We went into one church in Rome, and there was the shrunken head of a little saint in a church, and all these people were praying. That's idolatry. Pardon me, but that is idolatry. Jesus has delivered us from that superstition, but God honored her faith When she touched the hem of his garment, something happened in her life. But he calls her out. She's not supposed to be there. And the reason Jesus calls her out is not to embarrass her. The reason Jesus calls her out is because he he doesn't want her to continue to have an imperfect faith. He wants her to have a growing faith. He's building her faith. He wants her to have a faith in him and not in the the hem of his garment now having said what i just said and said it's idolatry i want you to listen to me i think probably some people who have prayed by coming to a relic maybe they have experienced a miracle but it's because god is responding to their imperfect faith and wanting to bring them to him you see her faith was informed it wasn't completely ignorant she had heard about Jesus. So there is the process somebody told her about Jesus. Somebody shared with her in the chosen, The way the narrators do the story, Eden is the one that's telling her if you're watching The Chosen. And if if you're not watching, I may have just spoiled it for you. So I won't say anything else about The Chosen, but watch The Chosen. But somebody has taught, don't do that. I know you've seen it, you fathead. I know, I know that somebody has taught, that was on Facebook. I apologize. Not really, I don't. But anyway, (laughs) you have to know him, the person that just did, the man that just did this. The fact is somebody had told her about Jesus, and so her faith is going in the right direction. You don't have to have it all figured out to come to Jesus. Let me tell you a true story. I wouldn't tell you an untrue story, but let me tell you a story. I was asked to come preach at a church and to do a baptismal service for the church. And there was a man there that played the piano, sang in the church, served in the church, and I was getting to know him, and he, he said to me, he says, oh, Pastor Clanton, now, I'm not the pastor of the church, but he says, oh, Pastor Clanton, I can't wait to be baptized. Well, I thought about Philip, you know, and, I, and the eunuch, and I said, well, what's hindering you from being baptized? He says, well, I haven't been saved long enough according to the church, and I said, well, how long have you been a Christian? He says, five years. I said, five years? You're leading worship? You're playing the piano? You're serving? And so I, I went to the pastor, I said, is this true? Is this guy pulling him out? He says, oh, yeah, it's true. He says, our board says that he needs to be saved at least five years. Well, I said, that's contrary to the scripture. We're going to baptize that man. And because I was a district official, I could pull that rank there. We baptized that man. I preached a sermon on baptism. And thankfully, they stopped doing that kind of foolish stuff. Don't try to make people jump through hoops that Jesus didn't put there. Don't try to make people jump over hurdles that Jesus didn't put there. Jesus takes us just as we are, and if we will do our job of discipling and loving and showing grace and forgiveness, we will grow passionate followers of Christ. Somebody say amen tonight. (laughs) The next thing I want you to see is of all the people, remember the disciple says, Jesus, what do you mean who's touching you? The only person that touched Jesus with faith was this unclean woman. And so out of all the people crowding around Jesus, it's this unclean woman with an imperfect, if perhaps superstitious faith, she's the only one that touches Jesus in such a way that she receives a miracle. Friends, look at me. If you should be afraid of anything, is that the presence of the Lord in this place and you fail to reach out to Jesus? It's not enough to be in proximity. It's not enough to even be with people. Faith is the only thing that will touch Christ. Touch Christ, And tonight, maybe listening online or maybe right here in this service, something stirring in your heart, there's a stirring of faith, you'd like to commit your life to Jesus, don't quench that. That's the Holy Spirit working in you because, number one, you wouldn't be watching this if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit drawing you to himself. Number two, the very fact that you want to commit your life to Jesus is the fact that Christ is drawing you to himself because nothing in our fallen nature Wants to follow Christ and accept His work of salvation. We want to do it our way and save ourselves. The second thing that I'd like you to see tonight is we're going to look at four little words real quickly. Number one, what kind of faith does she have? She had the faith of desperation. She's a suffering woman. She's passing blood constantly. Let's look at Mark chapter 5, verse 25. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She'd suffered a great deal from many doctors. How many of you ever felt like you've suffered from a medical treatment before? She suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years, she had spent everything. She's bankrupt. She had spent everything to pay them, but she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. Now, the Talmud, for this type of blood flow that she had, the Talmud lists about 11 different cures. Let me read a couple of them to you tonight. Take the gum of Alexandria. The Talmud is, the, is not the Torah. The Talmud is teachings drawn from the Torah. And some, this is what Jesus was battling about all the man-made laws when he kept talking about that. It says, Take the gum of Alexandria, the weight of a small silver coin of alum, the same of crocus, and let them be bruised together and given in wine to the woman that has an issue of blood. If this does not benefit, take Persian onions, three pints, boil them in wine, and give it to her to drink, and say, arise from thy flux. If this doesn't cure her, set her in a place where two ways meet, let her hold a cup of wine in her right hand, and someone come behind her and frighten her and say, arise from thy flux. And this is what's supposed to cure people. Have you ever had anybody try to scare you to cure you of the hiccups? Well, that's kind of what they're trying to do here. William Barclay, in his commentary, quotes another one of the Talmud when he says, Have the woman carry a barley corn which she has pulled from the droppings of a cow. Oh, yeah. Now, some of you took a little while to get that, but now you get it. So you see, you're in a world surrounded by superstition when you've got the Word of God. Friends, the thing I want you to see is, Until you come to the point where you see the superstitions, the traditions, and the ways of the world, they can't touch the center of your soul the way that Jesus can. And that's the reason one of my favorite songs we sing here is Jesus at the center of it all. Secondly is information. She had desperation. She had information. You see, faith is not opposed to thinking. I have to talk to people all the time. I've had two conversations already this week. One with someone that goes to our church and one with someone that doesn't go to our church. And people who are afraid that if they try to think and reason things through, that somehow or another that's a lack of faith. Friends, God gave you your mind. That little, what is it, three and a half pounds, four and a half pound gray matter that rests in your head, that is a gift from God. Now, you want a transformed mind, you want a renewed mind by Pouring the Word of God into it and accepting Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit will help you think things through. Faith is not opposed to thinking. You don't want to know what faith is opposed to? Fear. Fear keeps more people away from Jesus. She heard about Jesus in Mark 5, 27. The third thing is the direction of her faith. It's not the dimension of her faith, how big her faith is. Jesus said what kind of faith could cause a mountain to be cast into the sea? Faith, the side of a mustard seed. Exactly right. Faith, the side of a mustard seed. It's the direction of her faith. The object of her faith was in Jesus. And what keeps most people from coming to Jesus is pride. And if we can get our pride out of the way, anything is possible. If we can get out of our minds what other people think or what other people say, we can find anything is possible. She thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. And then the fourth thing I want you to see tonight is you see the doctrine of substitution here. Jesus felt the flowing power come out of him. Now, I get excited when I preach, and sometimes when I pray, I get excited. But by and large, I'm very quiet when I pray. I... You, I grew up in a tradition where, you know, I heard people scream a lot when they were praying, and shout a lot when they were praying, as though the louder we prayed, the greater the miracle might be. And I've been smacked on the head. I had somebody recently pray for me and tried to push me down, and I just, you know, it wasn't the whole, I'd be happy to be slain in the spirit, as some people say. That's never happened to me. But if the thing that I'm saying is, you don't see Jesus exerting himself. There's a storm on the sea and Jesus gets up and he doesn't scream at the storm. He just says, be quiet, settle down. Jesus speaks to a demoniac. He doesn't scream and in the name of my name, you know, he just simply speaks and the demons have to leave. He speaks to a man in Gadara that's inhabited by thousands of demons and the, the man is made well. Jesus just simply speaks. Friends, I'm not against people who pray loud but I'm against the fact that we think we have to be dramatic or we have to conjure something up. This is not magic. This is faith in the son of God. And the reason Jesus felt something, and I kind of think it may be like a, that drain on a, on, a, on a generator, like maybe a momentary thing of weakness, is power flowed out of him. I know the word is virtue, but it's power flowed out of him. He took her uncleanliness on herself. Now that's important because she couldn't go to the temple because an issue of blood or flux for a man or for a woman, anything like that, debarred you from going into the temple, into the presence of God, even to make a sacrifice until you were well. It was God's way of showing people what sin was like. It separated them from God. And this woman, God took her uncleanliness upon herself And she was completely and totally healed. It's a picture of the cross. And the more you read your Bible, look here, the more you read your Bible, the more you'll see the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. The more you read your Bible, you'll see what Paul saw, that the cross is the center of it all. If we're going to boast about anything, we're going to boast the cross of Christ. Jesus realized at once, according to verse 30, that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and he asked, who touched my robe? Thirdly, now let's look at the delays because poor old Jarius is standing there. And I know he's sweating bullets. He's worried about his daughter. I, 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 you know, as a parent, Becky and I, been, we parents, Becky and I have been there when our child has been sick or hurt and we've rushed them to the hospital. While he was still, God's delays are always due to his grace and his love. That's what I want you to get right here. Jesus is delaying because Jesus is going to show grace to Jairus. He's going to show love to Jairus and to his family. And it's going to be an even greater miracle. While he was still speaking to her, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue, and they told him, Your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. You see, what Jairus didn't realize... What his friends didn't realize is Jesus is much more than a teacher. Jesus is much more than a preacher. But now, here's the next thing. Put yourself in Jairus' shoes. He doesn't have the Bible like you and I have it. He is a learned scholar. He's the leader of the synagogue. But what's Jesus going to do now? She's dead. What's Jesus going to do now? Her body's getting stiff. Her body's getting cold. And in Jarius' mind, now f- follow me here. I'm not stretching this, I don't think. If you think I am, talk to Paul Gorky about it later. But we have diseases that we look down upon. If somebody has syphilis or gonorrhea or HIV, we go, well, they probably did something and that's why they've got that. They probably lived an immoral life. Well, we have friends that have gotten HIV, and they've done nothing wrong. It just simply happened through a blood transfusion. There are things that happen. We look down. You know, we should not stigmatize, but we stigmatize people with mental health issues. And so probably because she's debarred from worship, she cannot work, she's bankrupt, she's probably living on the street. If she touches you, you can't go to church until you go through the cleanliness ceremonies. If she touches your clothes, your clothes have got to be ritually washed. She's come through the crowd and Jairus is probably thinking, "Jesus, why did you stop for this streetwalker? Why did you stop for this woman that the law says is supposed to be separated? It's my daughter, she's done nothing wrong. Why did you stop?" I know I would have probably been thinking that way. I love my daughter. I love my boys, but I love my daughter. (laughs) There's a bond between fathers and daughters. It's grace. And the reason Jesus stopped is grace. Now come back to what I said earlier in this message. What bought Jairus to Jesus? It was need. What bought the woman to Jesus? It was need. Hear me tonight, beloved. The only need you have is the need for Jesus. The only need you have. Because Jesus meets all you need. I want you to look at this quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer the mart- from the martyred Christian. We must be ready to allow ourselves to be interrupted by God. God will be constantly crossing our paths and canceling our plans. Sending us people with claims and petitions. It's a strange fact that Christians and even ministers frequently consider their work so important and urgent that they will allow nothing to disturb them. They think they're doing God a service in this, but actually they're disdaining God's crooked yet straight path. Jarius probably thought Jesus blew it. But that's what happens when we make God or when we expect God to work on our timetable rather than trusting God that when we bring our needs to him, he's not going to forget us, he's not going to abandon us. You see, God's delay reveals his wisdom. It reveals his wisdom. In verse 36, Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, Don't be afraid, just have faith. Don't be afraid, just have faith. His daughter's dead. And the mourners have already been brought in. I mean, he's the synagogue leader. This is supposed to happen. His daughter's dead. And Jesus looks at and says, JJ, don't be afraid. Just have faith. The faith that brought you to me. The faith that caused you to lie at my feet. And there are times I bet you you and I, I know I have been. Maybe you're much holier than I am. But I've been like the disciples in the boat. Jesus, don't you care? We're perishing here. They laugh at Jesus. I love the fact that Jesus kicked them out. I don't like negative people around trying to criticize what you're trying to do for God. And then finally, God's delays leads to his healing touch. And holding her hand, he said to her, Talitha Kum, which means little girl, get up. Isn't that affectionate? Little girl. You ever stop to help a little crying girl and say, hi honey, hi little girl, what's wrong? I mean, there's affection here. Jesus is sitting, look at me, Jesus is sitting where her mother would have sat. He takes her by the hand. She's sitting right by her bedside. He takes her by the hand and says, to let the coon, little girl, get up. And the girl who was 12 years old immediately stood up and walked around. They were overwhelmed. They were totally amazed. And Jesus gave them strict orders not to tell anyone what had happened. And then he told them, Give her something to eat. I love the fact that Jesus likes to eat. I love the fact that on the Daniel plan that we're doing, this is not about deprivation. This is about abundance. I laughed so hard in the video when I heard Pastor Corey say, even I can do this one. (laughs) I mean, Jesus loves to eat. Now, here's the deal. Think about this. Did your teachers ever tell you, put your thinking caps on? Put your thinking caps on for just a second. Jesus says don't tell anyone but Jesus calls the woman out and makes her publicly identify herself. You remember that's what he's been saying along: don't tell anyone because he doesn't want to be known as a miracle worker but he calls the woman out because he wants her to know it's not her robe that healed her it was Jesus. He wants her to know who Jesus was. But with the little girl That's a much different miracle. This is a greater miracle than the healing of the flux. I mean, this little girl who was a corpse is now jumping up and down and playing and jumping rope with her girlfriends. She would have been the spectacle of the community. Everybody would have wanted to see. And just so her parents wouldn't have any doubts, Jesus said, get that girl a Chick-fil-A sandwich and some waffle fries and sweet iced tea. (laughs) he feeds her, her mom and dad are happy, I'm happy you ought to be happy, this is the kind of God we serve, but before I close this message tonight the woman with the issue of blood, somewhere in Israel her bones are buried, and this little girl, somewhere her bones are buried the fact that you have a miracle doesn't mean that at some other point you're not going to need another miracle, and at some other point you're not going to die. And for the life of me, I've never been able to figure it out except for the sovereignty and the grace of God. I trust Jesus. I have prayed, not in dramatic ways, but just quiet ways, and I've seen God heal, I've seen God deliver, I've seen God set people free from demonic spirits. I've seen that happen. I've witnessed that. But I have prayed for just as many who have not been healed. And you say, Pastor, how do you deal with that? I mean, if God does it for one, shouldn't God do it for everybody? I believe healing is available for all. But I understand what you're asking. But I need to go outside the story of Mark for just a second to be able to close this message in a way that I hope... If you're struggling with faith because God hasn't answered your prayer the way you wanted Him to answer your prayer, is so that you could get this. You see, God's delays will carry us through every tragedy if we have faith in Him. You remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They said to Nebuchadnezzar, he says, if we are thrown, I'm looking at Daniel chapter 3, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace... The God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power. There's a confession of faith. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. You see, a passionate follower of Christ realizes their time and their days are in the Lord's hands. I can't tell you how many people have contacted me since I said a statement that I opened my message with Sunday morning. That is, I've told the Lord, I don't care how long I live. I just want to live well with the days that you've given me. And people said, how can you say that? Don't you want to live a long time? Your grandfather. Of course I do. But you see, I trust God. And when it comes time, I don't want to stay one moment longer than he wants me. Because in his grace, in his wisdom, in his time, that's the best time for me to go home. Now, if that was to happen to Becky, I'm probably going to argue with God about it and say, I know better than you. She needs to stay here a while longer. (laughs) How many of you ever heard of Smith Wigglesworth? Smith Wigglesworth, that great man of faith that God used to do so many miracles with. His wife died and Smith laid hands on her and prayed for her and she came back to life and she said, Smith, stop it let me go. I've just been in the presence of Jesus. It's time. Smith let her go. (laughs) She went home to be with the Lord. I've got a feeling that all of those that have gone before us, they're saying, you just wouldn't believe how good it really is here. So what do we do that are left behind? Real quickly, we mourn our losses, whether it's death or sickness We remember separation is, I've got to go quickly, so write quickly, separation is not forever. Separation is not forever. We wait for the resurrection. We trust God. And while we're alive, we tell others about God's power. At the end, I just gave you some real quick growth work here. God's blessings may never seem to line up with my timetable. I don't know about you, but God never answers my prayers on the schedule that I ask him to. So I've quit praying, Lord, answer this prayer by such and such a time. I just simply say, Lord, this is what I need. My need brings me to you. I love you. Number two, God's blessings, and I say this in all sincerity, God's blessings have always been far greater than what I've been promised. And I shared this with someone, I was telling you, The Sunday about a luncheon that Becky and I had I was sharing this at the luncheon and that is I had a vision as a young man when they told me I could never be married and all this kind of stuff and I went into my home church Central Assembly of God in Macon, Georgia and I was kneeling at the altar by myself praying and I had a vision, I had a vision of a little blonde headed girl and a little boy just dancing into my life and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and I don't mind sharing this you you can weigh it out and judge it but the Holy Spirit spoke to me and says, I will provide all that your heart desires. Well, God did much more than that. He gave, me, gave us four children. He's done much more. God's blessings are always greater than what He promised. Number three, God's grace is usually contrary to the ways of our culture. Jesus shouldn't have stopped for the outcast. He should have gone to the little girl. If Jesus delays, trust His delay. And then finally, God's grace is not magic. God's grace is when God gives us what we don't deserve. Somebody said, Come on, victory tonight. I'm telling you. Isn't that good? Isn't this a great story? It just really ministers. Well, let's pray together tonight. And then we're going to have a Q&A session and a time of prayer here as well. And I hope that maybe you will at home, or if you're driving and listening, or if you're listening to this later this week, and if you need prayer. All you got to do is just call us here at Woodland or send us a text. You can text me at pastor, or pastor at woodland.church or 734 111 If that's not the right number, somebody will pray for you. Just, just tell them you need prayer. Let me pray with you. Father, I love you so much. I thank you for these wonderful stories of faith that are historical, that are accurate, that are factual. And the same faith that lived in Jairus and this woman, Lord, they live in us tonight. I pray for your blessings now upon each and every one of us. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen and amen. God bless you. Good night.